Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest today is Tatev, who had a near-death experience after being electrocuted. And today we're going to learn about it. Tata, thank you so much for being my guest and welcome. Thank you so much for gifting me your time and inviting me to be your guest on your podcast. The pleasure is mine. All right, if you don't mind, let's start on that day that you were shocked and go from there. I was maybe 13, I think, or 12. Uh, This was in Armenia, uh, in a, in a, near a lake called Agarlich. I was born in a town south from the capital of Armenia, from Yerevan. So it's near Armavir. So I was born in Armavir and a girlfriend of mine wanted to ask me out to join with her family to go for a picnic, swimming in the lake, barbecue and so forth. And uh, I have always been a, a bit of a rebellious creature, just not wanting to obey by the rules that I was given. And my mind has always wondered about things, you know, why am I being told to do this? Why, why is it more... Uh, necessary for me to obey the rules it seems like more than what my peers of boys are being asked to do why do I have my father's last name but not mother's last name why can't I play there and not here and and so forth so uh, we arrived to the lake and uh, adults started preparing the barbecue and so there was a gazebo small gazebo where we left the meat to marinate and so forth and we, we would go quickly change to our bathing suits and go to swim we as kids, my girlfriend and I went to swim and came back. And then the adults realized we're safe and good. So it was kind of their turn to go to swim since the meat was marinating. And and the gazebo had uh, an open wire coming from and a whipping willow, that branches of which were caressing the roof of the gazebo. So the open wire was wrapped around in some of the branches coming from above the roof of the gazebo and connecting to the bottom of the gazebo. So we turn on boombox and so forth. So uh, we decided to play badminton still with our wet bathing suits on. And I was like, oh, Armine, my girlfriend's name was Armine. Let's let's try to climb on top of the gazebo and just look at the view from on top of the gazebo. You know, just, just you know, so, uh, wanting to do new things, just view the scene from above. So I on purpose, but then she was like, oh, but when our parents come out, what are we going to explain to them? Why did we climb on top of the gazebo? So I was mischievous. I was like, I'm going to throw the shuttlecock on top of the gazebo. That will be a beautiful excuse where you're going to go. So I threw the shuttlecock up there. And so <laughs> we climbed up the gazebo with the help of, you know, one leg on the wall of the gazebo, one leg on the whipping willow. We got up there. And um, since the gazebo had a, a bit of a slope and the triangular metal sheets that were covering the gazebo whenever the triangular sheets would connect with each other there was a little protruded section so that they connect on one of them my foot tripped Um, I didn't have slippers or anything on I'm barefoot with a wet bathing suit you know like the worst scenario to be electrocuted so my foot tripped on one of the 
metal connecting protruded parts of it. And so I didn't want to fall off the gazebo, of course. And the, the first thing that came to mind was just to grab the branch of the whipping willow. So I found it. But it turned out that it was the open wire, not the branch of the gazebo, because it was, you know, all intertwined and I couldn't see. And so, I mean, uh, I don't know how much I want to go into necessarily the physical pains of it. It was an excruciating physical pain. But what's tremendously important and interesting to me is really what happened afterwards. But I got to say, I want to mention that moment of, you know, when you grab uh, the, an open wire. And this is, you know, in, in Armenia where the voltage is like, what, 220, I think. It's not like 110 here, I think. So yeah, I'm not maybe, sure. yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I got freaking fried, you know? So uh, holding, holding onto the wire was such an in interesting experience in the sense that it goes against your instinct. You, you want to let go of the wire, of course, but the more force you put towards opening your hand to let go of the wire, something three times, four times more makes you hold it even tighter. And so it's kind of against your intuition because after doing it a couple of times, you realize it's hurting even more. It gets more inside your bone when you're trying to let go. So you kind of just, after a couple of times, I mean, my body, I suppose, could not handle the physical pain of it. And so I just shook and just fell on the roof of the gazebo. My girlfriend, thankfully, was clever enough not to, you know, try to remove the, you know, push the wire or anything, but she was screaming and I could hear her. Uh, so my body shot down because it wasn't able to handle the physical pain. And I remember blackness for a few minutes or however long that was, I can't explain. The next thing I do remember clearly is seeing myself on the roof with my girlfriend screaming my name next to me and crying. And I was slowly being lifted off away from my body, but I was very um, clear on what I was seeing. It, it's as clear as I can see the screen in your face right now. You know, I was seeing my, I was drifting away from my own body. And um, those few moments were the most serene um, experiences, feelings I've ever ha had. You know, I'm a, I'm a musician. And so, sometimes when we play music that that elated transforming power of music there are a few seconds where i can get the grasp of that but it's very difficult to explain what it feels like with a human-made language um, it's almost like being in a beautiful dream in addition to being intensely in love that that elated feeling there's no sense of gravity and there's no sense of time no guilt no frustration no anxiety nothing it was the most incredible few moments of my drifting away from my own body but again i was fully comprehending what was going on i was very aware of the fact that i left my physical body and i do remember the only troublesome thought was that I comprehended what my mom, my sisters, and my dad would feel when they realized that I'm dead. And the only bothering feeling at that moment was, how do I let them know that I'm in a much better place than they are? Um, and I remember that feeling so clearly because everything else was 
fascinating and um, amazing. I saw um, the further I would go away from my body, the more uh, for you know upwards I would go, the more emerged in light I would become. There were there were lights, um, not necessarily circular, but spiraling of sorts, exuding out of everything from trees, from poles, from things that we call breathing or non-breathing objects, everything. Everything had its energetic flow that would somehow merge with me. And the more I lifted up and up and up, the more white light I would become. But, But I was aware of who I am. You know what I mean? Maybe the notion of like, no, my nose looks like this and my voice sounds like that started dissipating of sorts. I don't know what would happen if I stayed in that state longer than the 8 to 11 minutes I was gone. But what I experienced during that snippet was that I was fully capable of understanding my sort of spiritual or intellectual capacity of who I am, you know, regardless of the fact that I was being uh, melted into and a part of, of, of continuously evolving and floating light it's almost like if you were a snowflake like 20 meters above ground uh, and 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 are falling it's there's very little sense of gravity or time or like i don't know what do you where does your mind go when you hear that it's almost that state again very difficult to explain i wish out of the four languages i spoke there could be adjectives I could express of what what that felt like in any of these languages but it's not possible to me music perhaps sound is the closest thing that can come to expressing that transformative state you know um, after I melted into complete light was absorbed in light another moment where I don't remember visually seeing perceiving anything happened to me after that, I opened my eyes and I was in a green valley type of place. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, it was a valley, but I could see a, a forest sur- around me, you know, but I was in a more valley place. I tried to get up and I remember clearly my Auntie Frida's voice. Auntie Frida is my favorite auntie and in a way I'm closer to her than I was with my mom and dad to a certain degree when I was growing up and still continues to be that way. She called my, and she's well and alive. She's, you know, I didn't see her. I heard her name. And from the intonation of her voice, the way she was calling me, Datev, Datev, you could see and feel that there was an urgency for me to go towards her voice where the call was being made. So there was nothing frantic about it, but, um, but certainly from the intonation, I could sense that I needed to go towards her voice so I got up and started running towards her voice as soon as I started running Jeff it, it was like uh, you know when your podcasts begin and you have this whirlpool of uh, it's very interesting because it's more yours is more like a color blue but mine was black or oh, yeah that uh, speed warp when you and Star Trek you know watch it very similar to that but I remember the distinct feeling of my entire realm that I was in being sucked into like a vacuum cleaner tube and the distinct feeling of my falling downwards in that tube just I was sucked in it and and for I don't know how many seconds that was continued to go down and at the end of it I opened my eyes and I think the most unpleasant and horrifying thing happened then, you know, maybe like 18, 20 strangers were above my head. 
a man much older than me with like crooked teeth was pulling away from my face and I was so incomplete uh, just uh, confusion I, I I pushed this man away I only comprehended now just years after that this man was the one that I gave me artificial breathing and pumped my heart and brought me back, you know, but I pushed him really hard away from my face <laughs> and seeing the faces of strangers. I was lying down on the grass. Uh, two gentlemen brought me down after my girlfriend screamed and, you know, um, so th that was really terrifying because all these faces looked at me as though I was uh, dead. And, and then, then the women had, uh, would dip their hands in like cold bucket of water and like would slap my cheek because my eyes kept on going back and I and I kept on wanting to go back to where I was because it was so serene and peaceful versus this you know these strangers slapping my face with cold water uh, that really terrified the hell out of me um, and I'm told that at the time I didn't speak English um, I mean I was singing certain English songs but I wasn't fluent or anything like that, but I'm told that I told them to get away. Like I heard later that I said English words to tell them to get, which is really strange. I don't know anything about that, nor do I specifically remember that, but I do remember that horrified feeling of like, who are these people and what do you want from me? And why are you slapping my cheek with, you know, cold water? They were like, don't you close your eyes, little girl. Don't you close your eyes. And I just, that was so frightening, so frightening. Um, and then, uh, and then I thought I could stand up, so pushed people away to try to stand up. But I, I uh, soaked in so much electricity, my muscles were shut. So I stood up and completely collapsed and, and realized I was just serious. And there was a huge bubble that I have a big scar. I don't know if the thing will, the camera will capture that. But uh, there's a huge scar here mm -hmm. and there's a muscle tissue here. That, uh, my finger was basically stuck, forgive me for my middle finger, but this finger was stuck here because there was no skin anymore. So for years, since I'm a pianist, I had to do exercises like this to stretch the skin so my finger could come back to its normal, you know, because it was like stuck here. <laughs> so huge bubble was in my hand. And then after a couple of days, it burst and uh, you could see my tendons and bones, you know. So fortunately, I suppose that also saved my life because the electricity escaped through that uh, wound. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the synopsis of what, what happened. It was an experience that I was not able to put into words or to intellectually uh, meddle with for about two years after it happened to me. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's pretty common that, you know, explaining their experience is very difficult for almost everybody as a musician and a singer and a piano player did you hear anything while you were there well my auntie's voice the serene comfort of just the almost like um it's interesting i, I want to say something might sound insane but again the snowflake reference when it's snowing can you hear the snow um mm if you were in a valley of no noises, not in a city, I can almost sense the, the multitude of snowflakes landing, that serene, just slight little white noise of maybe even like being in water too. Um, but as far as distinctly of what I can name as far as sound, comprehensible for our um, 
mind. It, it, you know, it was my auntie's voice. Um, and cer- certainly nature. I don't necessarily remember hearing birds, but but nature was around me in that valley place where I opened my uh, eyes in before I heard my auntie's voice. So, yeah, like a softest, softest, faintest little white noise slash being underwater type of sounds. Yeah. Was your auntie there with you at the lake? No, she was not. She was not, nor did I visually see her. It was just her voice that I heard when I got up in that valley place. And as I mentioned, she's alive and well, and I love her very much, and I want her to live for a long time. But it was her voice that I heard, and her calling me back is what brought me, kind of sucked me into the tunnel of coming back to our realm here, you know. Was she aware of what happened to you? at the time and maybe you know she got some kind of premonition or something that something bad had happened to you both my auntie and my mom said that they started feeling not well and really anxious and worried about um they couldn't point out what it was they didn't even understand that it's related to me but uh when i told them when i came back um when the family of my girlfriend brought me back and we had to of course tell my mom what happened and so forth both of them said that they were suddenly they had heart palpitations and just couldn't find their place my mom said she was cooking in the kitchen uh with my other three sisters being at home and she suddenly said that she just didn't didn't feel well couldn't really point out what what it was but she said that she had heart palpitations and was just couldn't find her place um, yeah. Do you think that her voice calling you was a memory of her voice, or do you think possibly it was her higher self in the other realm talking to you? I never thought about that. I never thought about that, Jeff. I'm not sure. It could be. It could be what you say. It could also be my. Uh, intertwined and complex uh, upstairs kind of activities uh, related to my heart and emotions in a sense that I'm connected to my auntie and so for her voice to have been the I'm not sure you see never thought about that Mm. good question yeah Yeah. (laughs) because things we talk about on this program is that you have a higher part of you in the other realm and only a piece of you is here so I was just wondering maybe her higher self was aware of what happened to you and was telling you to go back. Maybe. Maybe, and it's beautiful to think about it that way. The notion of that I feel myself, though, for me, like I I, um, can't tell you anything specific or visual like I did about this experience, but I know, I know that I've seen and felt and lived lives before, that this is a certain, um, I don't know, maybe it's, again, part of my uh, vibrant imagination, but everything in my life is about sevens. You know, I was born on 1987, seventh month on the seventh day. Uh, Certain records that I put out, which is like a random number, it's an international code for a song or something. Almost every time when I put it out to put it on Spotify or something, something comes with like seven, seven ending. These are, again, random digits that are supposed to just be come whenever you press the button for that new code to be printed so you publish a song anyways a lot of sevens relate to Mm -hmm. to my life in essence and 
oftentimes I feel like I'm a cat on my seventh life here, you know? You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you see repeating sevens, like seven, seven, seven? Yeah, I do. I do. They surround me quite often in many forms, in many ways. Some people may say that that's your guardian angel reaching out to you. Could be. Could be. Never know. My mama told me that I was also born in, uh, what is it called? Embryotic fluid, the pouch? I was. Oh, yeah. You were born, born uh, in that. You, you, my son was born that way. And my, is that my right? wife has the, the expression for that. I wish I can remember that expression. It's. Um, Shopikov. 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 Yeah, yeah Shopik is a shirt. Yeah. But what does yeah. it translate to? You used to say. Uh, born, born with a shirt. Born, born with, with a shirt, shirt on, yeah. Shirt on. There we go. Shirt, okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. My, my son was the same way in that, my wife's expression, born with your shirt on. So. It's very rare. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, sevens and all that. Because mm-hmm. I often hear that that's also a sign of sorts that you are protected or, or you know. Um, yeah. After your NDE, for a while, were you angry or upset or disappointed that you're back here because it was so amazing over there? Yeah. When I was um, closing my eyes and wanting to kind of escape back to where where I was, which happened maybe like two times, which is why the ladies got so frustrated with me and slapping started slapping my cheek with cold water to stay. I, I was frustrated. I was I was angry at these strangers that wanted me to come back here where my body was weak and I was confused and uh, and, and in pain versus the other beautiful realm that I was in. So. Uh, but but after the experience, I was scared to death about what happened to me. I couldn't properly comprehend what happened to me. And like I mentioned before, too, it took me about two years to even start talking about it because I didn't have the emotional or the intellectual maturity to start comprehending what was going on. Uh, I remember my mom said, um, go pray to God that you are back. This is a miracle because clinically speaking, it is a miracle in the sense of also my oxygen not seeing, uh, my brain not having oxygen for that long. Even if my heartbeat came back, um, I would have come back with brain damage. So it truly is you know, incredible that I came back normal, or maybe I have brain damage. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, this this notion of my mom saying, go pray, uh, also frustrated me after a while, because because it was like this traditional go pray thing under the assumption that what I'm praying to the the Christian God what is but the, there was no relevance to that I had no connection to that because I don't um believe in religions my god for me the god for me is not uh, compromised and uh, compartmentalized in any religious forms you know what I mean so I was certainly a bit frustrated at my mom's request or demand to do this also um, and certainly scared, 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 scared about what happened to me and, and neurological pathways are so amazing and memory of these senses is beyond our comprehension in a sense that yes, almost even after two years when I remembered, when I would think back of the moment when I grasped the wire, it doesn't happen to me now, but all the way two years later, maybe even three years later, when I would think of the moment of grabbing the wire, 
for like a second or two, my body would go into that shock. It's it's fantastical to. I don't know how women have their second children. You know, I don't know what that's like, but pretty miraculous that our nervous system uh, remembers that and can duplicate that and produce that after years of it passing, you know. So after two or three years of it happening, what kind of conclusion or resolve did you come to this experience? Something that I'm uh, trying to convey till this day, something that I probably will try to explain and live and talk about and preach about till the day I die, which is that, well, first of all, that our energy, whatever we call energy, is everything and it transforms. So we never come to a cadence where that's the end. We cadence out and that's the end. It transforms to a different type of energy. Either we have the wisdom or the intellectual capacity to understand what, I don't know, I might become a, a light beam of Jupiter, or the, but we transform to something else. It's always, the energy continues to grow, which in my opinion part of the, is part of the reason why our universe keeps on expanding. And then the second thing, which is most important to me, uh, that I'm trying to bring awareness to through all my performances, through all the translations, through all the music and the people I collaborate and work with continuously is that it is uh, damaging and ridiculous for us to so desperately want to give titles to things. Phenomena and things that we don't understand uh, are damaging for our society. For example, when we say, this is of course my opinion, but I'm firm in my in my opinion of this. Um, when we've created this pronoun to compromise most major religions God into, in other words, the most ultimate love we call Father in Heaven, He, you know. To me, one needs to be extremely stupid not to comprehend that Many of our institutionalized struggles, one-sided waves, patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. We complain about, you know, non-equal pay or the abortion laws in Texas and so forth. I mean, the, the industry having more males. The, the chain of problems is endless of the things we all are suffering from, men and women. To me, it's very easy to realize that a huge part of this is in our core understanding of what pronoun we give to God through major religions. To me, it's preposterous to compromise something that we can't even comprehend into a pronoun he. It's ridiculous to me because I don't know how much the listener, you and I, have the capacity to grasp or not but religions either we like it or not either we consider ourselves to be religious or not have penetrated themselves and and you know sprouted their antennas into our secular and non-secular lives so it's very damaging for us to go with notions of love god phenomena like that into into a, a, a title of a pronoun that's a that's a very, very damaging thing to do for both males and females. And that's what I try to uh, kind of teach and bring awareness to, to keep our mind open so that there is a way for growth, that there is a way for connectivity. There's a, you, you know, 
either it is a hurricane that we're talking about, a waveform, women and men, whatever subject, whatever phenomena it is that we're talking about. It's insane to compartmentalize it and only talk about the higher amplitude of the waveform or just the left pole of a hurricane or the men and the women. We need to look at things as a united one phenomena with all its opposite spectrums and poles in order for us to have prosperity and growth. When you went to the light, do you feel like the light itself was just like some healing light or you were actually moving into source or what some people may call God? The moment I melted completely, fully with light is when I lost visual memory until I woke up in the valley. But the second I melted, I didn't have the sense of sorts my being able to control anything, as in like a control sense. But I was overwhelmed with this feeling that I could be and am anything and everything at the same time. Again, very, I know, very uh, high up there sounding uh, things that are ethereal, that's hard to put into words, but I didn't sense the control of like I'm the source of god of sorts that's coming through me or something that but 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 there was this pure joyous elated feeling presence realm state where i was anything and everything at the same time i could be a tree i could be another human being but i was still myself and i could be the moonlight that's uh, shining over a dark city or or you know i or wind or a scent you, you know it's it's interesting to ponder about these things but it's fascinating most fascinating things like i i want to create a music video next for one of my projects that's a small little paper boat sitting on a lake that's still and then the wind blows this feather and the feather comes and caresses slightly the paper boat and the paper boat because of this wind touching with the feather touching starts to float and that's starting all of these energies or when i smell a scent scent has its memory too so in in a way memory also is is a transformative power of that same energetic source to me at that state when i melted all fully with the light i could have been any and all of those at the same time i could have been part of the wind i could have been a scent that triggered in someone's mind a memory and brought up other feelings and hard to explain jeff you ask hard questions <laughs> well <laughs> speaking of memory yeah has the memory of this faded over the years or is it as still as real today as it was the day it happened as real today as it happened, as the day it happened, as it, it's even more embellished in my head, probably because I now know how to speak about it and have told my story a few times. Uh, it's even more vibrant. I remember it as clearly as if it were today. But the uh, but the neurological experience of the pain, the physical aspect of it, has diminished. So, like now, thinking of holding the wire doesn't do the same to me as it did years ago. You know, 
physically. Could you say that the memory of it is inescapable? It's like you find yourself thinking about it quite often? I do. I do think about it quite often. Yes. Yes, it's become a huge part of what I read about, what I research, what I try to convey, what I talk about during all of my concerts. I hope I'm not annoying my audience members, but I, in one way, I mean, I don't talk, tell the story of how I died, but there's this notion of, of union, of, of needing to unite together and view phenomena as a whole is my lecture of everlasting minute of every day of my life. In what other ways do you think this experience influenced you as an artist? Well, since I was sensing that, um, like in, in Tatev, the, the name that I have, which means give wings in Armenian, there is a monastery in, in Tatev where I was and a couple of times. And um, growing up in Armenia, uh, it's a very patriarchal society. And so is here in many ways, more puritanical than, and, and so on. Uh, since I was always curious and, and let my mind um, wander from outside of the gray zone of the most traveled road, I always sensed that there was stuff that, that, that I was supposed to, you know, compartmentalize myself as a girl, as a lady, as a, you know, and I was always rebellious against that. I always asked these questions about religions and why is it that way? No, I'm not going to do that and so forth and so forth. This experience kind of even further reassured me that we are all part of one and that I have nothing missing and I have nothing to prove to anybody uh, who's a male or who's my dad or who has made, you know, there, there's, I don't want to go into the psychology of my childhood growing up, but there was a lot of damage done to me that I either um, fully digested or not, but it affected me in, in a certain way. Maybe I rebelled against it um, too much and showed like it's not affecting me, but it certainly affected me. And this experience further kind of rooted me, um, my, my belief and understanding of uh, there not being a male deity, my not having to be uh, feeling like I have to continuously prove myself. And I think my music and my relationship with all my collaborators uh, kind of grew from that and keeps on growing, you know. Have you ever written a song about it? Yeah, not the experience, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. I am here now, there, hmm. and everywhere you are. You are, we're united. Yes, it's called Spring Dreams. My viewers, your viewers can go check it. It's called Spring Dreams. And we have oh. a pretty cool music video that actually shows how the light transfers from piano to nature and back and forth. And yeah. Yeah, I have a few songs written about that. Oh, cool. As a performer, being on stage, and and perhaps I wonder if you felt this. You're on stage, mm. the band is tight, you have an amazing audience. It's like everything is just right in the music. Do you ever mm. have a spiritual experience on stage that kind of mimics your NDE? Yeah. Uh, I think when we began to speak right at the beginning, I said that sometimes there are glimpse of just seconds milliseconds where that flight or that or that incredible feeling of there not being gravity or time 
Uh, I'm showered with it in the music in that moment where we're with the band. But it's a but it's an it, it, it escapes. It does not last forever. But certainly, yes, music is um, the closest phenomena that has that transformative, uh, transcending power. Um, which perhaps is why, if if we think about it, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe this could be a question for you. What brings most amount of people together? I mean, wars, <laughs> religious ceremonies, and so forth worldwide. And then what else do we have? Concerts, I think. Mm-hmm. What what else do we have? Am I right? Like massive amounts of people that come together. Yeah, you're right. Has has an incredible effect, doesn't it? It literally, we're under the same wavelength when we're listening to that music. It's like uh, the metaphoric power of sound is is something that's translated into our world, but it's also something beyond and above. It's like a universe, like black hole in our Milky Way galaxy that we know very little about. We know it vibrates on B flat, 57, 59 octaves lower than the hertz of human ear are capable of hearing. So everything, every atom has its frequency and vibration. And so one would arguably say that uh, perhaps this is why music is able to do that to us, you know, to cause to bring tears to our eyes, to, to feel as though we are flying, to feel as though there is no time to, to be rid of anxiety, to control our heartbeats, to so much, so much. Do you fear death at all? No, not at all. Phys- physical death of it? No, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm still going to not want to be physically hurt. I will do everything to not feel that. But the um, emotional, intellectual, kind of psychological capacity of what fear death might be associated with, I don't have it at all. If you had a friend that lost someone dear to them, and they were, you know, wondering if their loved one was okay on the other side and having their own existential crisis, what kind of advice would you give them? Oh, I would certainly share that moment when I was telling you when I first blacked out and physiologically couldn't handle the pain and felt this amazing state realm when I appeared in and when I was telling you that the only bad feeling was that how how can i find a way to tell my peeps that i'm better than they are i would i would explain that moment in a very detailed manner to the person who's suffering because um, because they are in a much better elusive flexible and flowy and anxiety less place than we are so i would tell them to to truly be peaceful and calm and to if tears come that's that's all right but to never be squished in your heart thinking that oh oh they they died and they're not well and they they ended of sorts there's no such thing it's it's continuous evolving um, energy and flow and existence would you say that we just transition from this state to another state of being yeah Maybe not even to another state of being, but different plateaus of existence. You know, it's like a cyberspace of, of, so maybe it's not like this 
vertical or like a, a, not vertical type of different realm or horizontal, but more more able to feel the intertwined um, relationship of different realms more than, you know, it might be a bit more complex than saying, now I'm in dream state, now I'm in spirit state, now I'm, in, you know what I mean? Because there is a way to kind of sense other places at the same time too and hear other things too. Um, like like when I was leaving my body and I told you I was seeing my girlfriend screaming, at that time I was also able to see and sense other things. Uh, like my sister, I can't tell you what she was doing, but I sensed my sister there. Uh, I also sensed the inevitable power of the light that was... Uh, melting me into itself at the same time and these are either I can explain with words or not to me they're different realms different energetic uh, places that were like being like a spider web intertwining and uh, you know too complex for me to even comprehend myself let alone to explain with any human made language after your experience did you notice you had any increased cognitive ability which some people may consider even like psychic abilities i wish immediately after that if i were to appear in new york city perhaps i would tell you the answer to that a bit more why i'm saying that is because not much drastic change to happen during the next few years after that happened to me as far as where i was living and so forth um if I appeared in New York with diverse type of emotions, feelings, constantly different places to be in, maybe I'd be able to answer that question better. But one thing is for sure, like I have this, um, but I can't tell you if I didn't have that before, but I know I have it now. Um, when I walk on the street, I can sense like in there, you know, I live in New York city. <laughs> I'm a lady who, you know, as a night owl, I've been walking around in Harlem at 3, 4 a.m. And I've been in places and scenarios where most people would think that a, a, a girl shouldn't be in uh, at that time of the hour. But I can sense, like, who is going to harm me or not. Don't want to sound very abstract. I can bring in specific examples, but I have this extra sense of feeling like who's going to harm me, even if uh, the people have a pistol in their pocket they might not be the one who's going to make an action with that so i have this very like confident stride um whenever i feel safety but then there are times where i feel danger and it's interesting i'll just talk about maybe one small example of a couple of years ago going up the stairs on a subway platform i think it was um Broadway Junction to connect to the L train or something. Uh, yeah. Um, and I could hear this loud screaming slash singing voice of a man. And uh, he was this haphazard. He was eating a hot dog, had certainly some kind of a, you know, mental disorder for sure. There was something not uh, properly put together. He was eating a hot dog and was spilling on himself. And he was frantically 
looking for eye contact from people. And you know, in New York, we're all in our bubbles because that's the way it has to be. Otherwise we'll, go, otherwise, we'll go cuckoo if we're always accepting and getting all these energies from everyone. But this man was in a frantic manner looking for someone to kind of pay attention to him, to make sure that someone was hearing his singing. And all that was happening around him was just people going away, not giving any contact. I jumped, I, I climbed up on the top of the uh, subway plateau where he was. And instead of going this way or that way, I just stood in front of him. And he was singing, I think, Stevie Wonders, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Or, um, and I just smiled when he sang. He paused for a moment, gave me a smile back, and then he cleaned himself did this and walked away complete change about the way his movement hand movements and the insane type of singing loud berserk or the fact that he was eating in a weird way and um just just two seconds that's all it took for me to look into his eyes he calmed down this insane movement stopped immediately he calmed down smiled at me and then peacefully walked away it was to me, it was very sweet, clear moment that I, I sensed that he just wanted to know that he was being listened to, that his singing was being heard. That's all, you know, and he calmed down. So I have that feeling oftentimes when I'm walking on the street of like who's who's messed up or who's wanting attention and what can calm people down. And I guess being present is, is what I'm saying. You know, I can sense when to be fully present, which I try to do most of the time. <laughs> After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat with you. Are you open to that? And if gladly. so, how can they reach you? Gladly, gladly. Uh, yes, I am myself intensely looking for as many connections as possible with people. That's one of my uh, prerogatives and missions in life. So my website is .tev, uh, T-A-T-E-V, sound.com. I'm also... Uh, on Instagram, uh, Sound, Spotify, my music is there, and on YouTube as well. I'd immensely appreciate if people connected me on YouTube and subscribed because I uh, occasionally put out a lot of interesting um, kind of documentary type videos that I produce myself, in addition to, of course, music videos and this uh, program I created called Mika Torhaeren, a piece of Armenian, uh, which teaches Armenian to English speakers also. So I'd love to connect. And of course, my email too, certainly they can reach out to. It also is dotfsound at gmail.com and I'll gladly connect. So your YouTube channel is also called Tatev Sound? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just Datev, but since there is a famous monastery and a village in Armenia, if you type Datev, the first things that pop out is uh, about Datev. So one needs to type Datev sound until I become very famous, mm -hmm. and then I'll be the only Datev mm -hmm. probably. <laughs> what was the name of that song you were singing earlier? And so they can find that on YouTube? Oh, yes. Spring Dreams. Spring Dreams. And it's precisely what we spoke about. I wrote the song about how energies can transfer from one form, one way of being into another and uh, music having that transcending power to kind of translate the energetic flow of it all. Spring mm. Dreams, it's called, and it's on YouTube. Yes, I'd appreciate all, all right, comments and views. Great. All right, Tatev. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? 
young generation has all the secrets. Let them continue having the curiosity that they need to explore the world. Don't um, let's not compromise their imagination. Whoever came up with that expression, "curiosity killed the cat," must have been a really boring, boring mm. bastard. Curiosity is the way to heal and change and transform. So my positive note would be that we should all be enticed to be more curious so that we create more synoptic and the neurological connections between our left and right hemisphere, which will change the world. So we have the power. We have the power. Let's, uh, let's prosper instead of growing. I think we've grown enough. We need to prosper now. That's my message. <laughs> Well, thank you for that message, and thank you again for being my guest today. I appreciate you, and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. I wish you the same. Thank you so much for your time and this open conversation. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.